You're listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by Miniquip Hire, WA's leading machinery hire company, supporting the Landscape Industries Association, WA. Hey landscapers and welcome to another edition of Green Thumbs Up, the landscaping podcast for landscapers by landscapers, brought to you by our good friends from Miniquip, Domus Nurseries and Bailey's Fertilisers. Good evening, Kieran. How are you? Very good, Darren. Thank you for uh, bringing me in again. Oh, we, we just enjoy your company so much, Kizza. Great. Now, we, like we've had hear. a couple of fertiliser people in recently, so we've had to keep them apart, so we've completely separate just in case they get a bit toey. So who have we got here tonight? Uh, we've got Troy... Um, Troy Franks from uh, Richgrow. Welcome, Troy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, Richgrow, been long associated with the Perth horticultural uh, industry. Can you give us a little bit of history, Troy, on Richgrow? Yeah, so Richgrow started back in 1916. So uh, it's been around for quite some time. That, that, that's before Bailey's. Correct, yes, absolutely. I remember going down to the, uh, the Canning, uh, I think you were on Albany Highway. Albany uh, Highway. When I first started out in my apprenticeship, which was in... 1916. Uh, <laughs> not quite 1916, but uh, not far off it. Um, back in the late 70s and the early 80s, and we used to uh, wander off down to Richgrove because you were probably really one of the only suppliers around that we can get, um, get bulk fertilisers for, right. the, uh, for the industry at the, in, those, in those days. That's right, so they were... Uh Pretty much where Harvey Norman is now on Albany Highway, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yep. Nice little old building, always had a few bales of hay out the front because I think you sort of sold a little bit of um, agricultural stuff as well, Correct. not just yeah. uh, in the horticultural industry. Yeah, so they started off with um, basically the ag stuff, the 20 kilo bags, and then they eventually started to blend their fertilisers and produce the garden products at that stage. And uh, so what um, what sort of products are you doing these days, uh, Troy? Oh, we've got a quite an extensive range Try not to have any holes in, in our product offer. So we have your wetting agents, your insecticides, but I think what we're strong in is our soils, our bagged organics products and our fertiliser range. Right, and I, you just did mention your um, pesticides and things like that. I have noticed that you've dropped a few um, a few products and I've noticed uh, actually there's quite a, other, uh, a lot of producers have dropped a number of products and if... I cast my mind back to when I first started. There's products that we use then that you wouldn't even think no, about using right. these days. So, that's right. So I'm pretty sure that uh, that all the manufacturers these days are looking at ways that we can do things better. Exactly right. And the customers dictate what we sell. So customers are looking for more of those natural-based products. So we have ranges in our beta bug range, uh, the natural insecticides, our beta weed, which you know we're not using glyphosate anymore so we'll use a uh, vinegar salt based product so we try to go more that side of it and those products troy are you actually producing those in in perth not, not on our jandicott site but it is no. produced in perth right. yes right and um just curious what are some of the products you've dropped over the years some of the the, the nasty ones rogor's oh, gone rogor <laughs> good old rogor yes i remember i think you could actually get rogor in a Aerosol can at one stage. Correct, yes. Yeah, Melathine. Yeah. I can yeah, still smell one. Melathine, even yeah. though it hasn't been Tasted. around for probably 25 yeah. years. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, definitely the product range has significantly changed. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, just there's just not the market, I imagine. Just particularly no, in the home right. gardener for for those super strong um, insecticides that just take everything out as well as the target. Exactly target right. Insect. And like I think people have touched on before, you do not want to kill everything. Mm. You know, you want to keep that balance, environmental balance in your garden. They, some things do a good job. It's when they get into plague proportion that's when maybe when you cull them a bit. But yeah. uh, overall, you just let nature do its thing. It's a bit like the soil products we're using now too. So we're like we're we're rather than just pumping uh, fertilisers into the soil, we're looking at building healthy soils that support Correct. plants naturally and, and use a lot less fertiliser. Absolutely. Uh, Perth is very sandy soil, so you don't want to put too much fertiliser synthetics on there. They just get washed straight through the soil. You want to build that soil structure. And you know, my garden itself, you improve the soil structure, you don't even need fertiliser really at the end of the day. And uh, your organic um, products um, range from, what, cow manure, sheep manure? Yes, we have cow, sheep, chicken, all our composts on site as well, beta weed range. Uh, so there's quite a few of the organic-based products that we have here. And uh, Rich Grow have developed their own bioenergy plant? Correct. Can so you maybe fill us in? I mean, I've seen a, a couple of programs where they've had uh, visits down to Rich Grow to have a look at that. Can yep. you maybe just uh, fill us in a little bit about that? So basically what Jeff's done is he's gone ahead and built a stomach, basically, anaerobic digestion. So we take waste material that otherwise would go into landfill. So seven years now, I guess we've diverted over 100,000 tonne of potential landfill and turned that into electricity. Is that just like, so obviously green waste would be part of that, but is there, no, no, no that's not green no. waste, so it's just any or other organic material? Yeah, so we get a lot from uh, supermarkets, your vegetables, anything that you would eat yep. gets put into the anaerobic digestion. We keep the green waste separate to that. Um, so put in your lettuce, your tomatoes, all that sort of stuff. Crying shame, we have semi-trailers of uh, beer yeah. that uh, can't be sold that gets poured into the site. So think, think we can organise a sideline there for you. What day does that truck? <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, so unfortunately, I've seen it happen. Pallets after pallets of beer going in there, and uh, yeah, basically, it's producing methane as it breaks yep. down. That produces gas, so we power our whole site off the uh, waste products that would otherwise go into landfill. That's, that's impressive. Not only it? power our own site, we put back into the grid enough to power three thousand homes a day. Wow. Yeah, that, that's that's impressive. But that you, you do take green waste, though, don't you? In yes. that, and so is that going into your mulches and soil? Um, soil yes, one of the ingredients we'll put into our compost or our mixes, depending on which mix we're producing, would be a green waste uh, ingredient in that. And is that coming from local tree, tree a- people? Again, we use tree loppers. We yeah. also use the Verge Collection, but right. we don't take the... Council the old green fridges bins. or the couches no, or anything no, no, like that. No. <laughs> no. Anything with a – we don't take any bins. Anything with a lid we find people will put rubbish in there and once it's contaminated you can't get it out. So ours is an extremely clean process and that gets shredded down. Now one of the waste products coming out of the anaerobic digestion is what we call a digestate. So it's like a, like a worm juice almost that's come from this composted material which is then sprayed onto the uh, green waste. Right. So it enhances that product again. Right. And is that um, – can the public go through and have a look at that? I mean, it sounds very interesting. Or can you ha- do you have groups? Do you have groups We'd, for people we, who come through? We used to have quite a few groups. A lot of people were interested to see how this system works. 
COVID put a stop to that, uh, bringing people on. But now we're slowly starting to build it up again and bring people through to show them that. Oh, it sounds, sounds great. It's and not it's the best environment. When it, you can imagine it smells quite yeah. a bit in one <laughs> well, area. It smell of methane, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's not too bad once you see it and see the finished product yeah. and just turning a waste material into electricity. And what was their... Um, yeah, they're thinking of, of doing it just to, to produce their own energy, to, to cut their own costs. Is that yeah, where the initial... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff's big on the organic side. So as yeah. well as, look, he gets paid for taking this waste material. Mm. He powers his own site. So financially, it's a smart move. Mm. But the whole sustainability around the company as well is the right direction that we wanted to go in. Yeah, right. No, that's, that's great. So um, what other services do you offer professional and commercial market that people may not be aware of? Besides the AD plant where people can bring in their waste, uh, we also have the bulk soil division. So we're not all just bottles and boxes in the retail side of it. Uh, There's quite an extensive bulk soil range. Uh, Our lab facilities there. What what do we do in the lab? So the lab is quite an extensive lab. It's probably the biggest in our industry in WA. Uh, so we'll test for everything in that lab. Customers uh, can send in their samples for us and we do your water, soil, testing, tissue, yeah. testing, um, and that's offered to all our customers. So that's for, for nutrient issues but also for pathogens? You're testing for pathogens? Correct, yeah. yes. Yep. So, yeah, we try and keep the uh, not only our site but uh, we'll test for our other customers as well if they've got any issues that we can pinpoint the problem. And uh, without, uh, I mean, I know prices change every now and then, uh, Troy. But roughly, if I was a home gardener and I wanted my um, my, my my garden sort of surveyed through soils and waters, or even if I'm a landscaper starting yeah. a new job and wanting to find out what the soils and that yes. rough, you know, what are we looking at? Sort you're of roughly at a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. But um, when you're spending thousands, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want a, a starting point. So it's a great idea to spend that kind of money. Well, I think that's it, it'll be the, the best $200 you ever spent oh, because it saves a lot of problems uh, later on when you've spent all that money on your plants. And and as we all know, things sometimes don't grow and it's not just because you haven't exactly watered them, right. but it's just because the conditions aren't aren't uh, particularly good either for that particular plant or for all the plants for some, some Correct. reason. Yeah. Correct. And right. Wherever you can save a few dollars... It's going to save you in the long run. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good good investment. And do you guys do on-site consultancy services uh, for our customers when they're looking at a certain product they want to create? We'll sit down and discuss it with them. So uh, recently, we did uh, some June sand dune re- uh, regeneration work at Rotnest. Yep. So we sat down with them, worked out exactly what type of soil we need to create. Got uh, Arbor Centre, who's it, doing some work on the new Chevron building in the city where they're, they're growing a large eucalyptus in the foyer to go up to the third story. So we'll create... Yeah, <laughs> so we'll create... Uh, yeah, Chevron's got a few dollars. Yeah. Uh, so we'll create the soil. So we'll sit down with them and uh, work out exactly what we need to do and create it for them. So for rooftop gardens, I mean, we know we can see now with a lot of the... Uh, obviously, the, the Chevron one, it's going to be on a hard base... You see a lot of the shopping centres now that they're and, and a lot of buildings around Perth are spending a lot of money on um, on their uh, landscaping to to attract people to and I'll, I'll, you know shopping centres for one. If you look at Karen Up and yep. the Carousel and, and places like that, obviously the weight 
factor. So is that are you supplying soils for doing mixes for that sort of thing? Yeah, where you, you can't have mixes. the bulk weight at, uh, to go Correct. on top of a slab with a tree or a plant? Correct, and you throw in a bit of water and the weight of that product gets incredibly well, heavy. Water's a big one because yeah, if, you, if you've got soil holding water and you've, you've already got weight in your soil, that's going to cause all sorts of issues. Absolutely. <laughs> and drain, where's it going? Where's that water going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we sit down and we work all that out with the customer. Um, it's great, though, that councils are getting involved in the greenscape side of the urban development, you know, just to improve in how much they've got available. But, uh, you know, we see it overseas. It's not to just go over there and we'll just replicate that. We've got to cater it for our dry conditions here. So uh, a lot of work goes into creating the perfect mix yeah, for well, them. Yeah, I think I mean, we all understand the conditions we are in in Perth and when yeah. you see, you know, um, uh, walled, uh, walled gardens or... Uh, um, Hanging gardens, it's its not quite like Singapore, is it, where you no. can just put something in the ground and, and it'll grow. It's a, yeah. a bit more difficult over here. 100% humidity. and mm. I think a lot of people found that out during COVID when uh, they rushed out to buy their vegetable seedlings yeah. and uh, seeds and thought, we'll just chuck it in this and raise garden bed and it's going to grow. And talking of COVID, um, Troy, did you, did you as a supplier of fertilisers and soils and organic products find that there was a... Um, a, a jump in sales? Massive jump. Yeah. Absolute massive jump. Uh, a lot of people just thought this was the answer. We're just going to pick something up, throw it in the ground, throw some fertiliser and it's going to grow. Unfortunately, it's not the mm. case. Um, but, yeah, it was massive. We couldn't get enough raw material and couldn't get enough stock out in store. I would have done what I normally do in spring every month right. over the COVID period. Mm. Uh, it was incredible. But if we can continue, if we can get you know, 10% of that market still stay in the industry and want to buy a product, then it's been a big, massive win mm. for us. So COVID <laughs> might be good for some things. I think it would be great for end. the nursery industry mm. in general, yeah. Well, a lot they more they always say, like, getting – the most difficult thing in any business is getting a new client. So if you've, you know, if you've got something like COVID that's given us all these new clients, it's a great opportunity for the industry to – to try and latch on to them and That's keep right. them interested in gardening, keep them interested in horticulture in our industry. So, you know, you've got a silver linings, Kizza, silver linings. Yeah, mate. well, we all like one of silver lining. Absolutely. So, Troy, uh, a bit on your background. Have you always been in the horticultural industry or are you a, a relative newcomer to it or sales? or oh, what, what is your background? When I uh, left school, I did what most people do and go work behind a bar. Right. Behind bar. Yeah, as well. When I left school, I did all my best work in front of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for a while, a few years actually, and then I thought, no, I need a change. So I thought driving a semi trailer was the most random thing I could think of. So I went out and did that for a while. Through a company clo- uh, closing, I found myself working for a production nursery as their truck driver. Right. And, and which one was that? You can name uh, names here. Uh, that was Huntingdale Plant Production. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. So. I did that for four years and I think once I was in the industry and you got to meet the nursery owners and it was just a great bunch of people mm. and I fit right in. I felt this is, this is the place for me. Well, I'm, every, I'm every a great person. <laughs> I hang out with great people. Yeah, well, everyone, everyone loves it when the, uh, the delivery man comes, yeah, comes to town. It was great. And look, I also found an interest in the plant side of it too. So um, I started studying Hort and uh, stayed there for about four years and then... Uh, went across to another production nursery in Burnham Nursery, spent another four years there, and uh, once I was qualified, Rich Grow came along, and I moved across there. I thought, uh, you know, I want to be in my late 40s and 50s still shoveling, 
Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I went across to Richmond, not saying it was anything easier, but uh, it was just a different side of it. So yeah. I got to learn a different side of the business. Yeah. And how, long uh, you, how long have you been at Richmond up now? About 17 years now. Oh, man. Yeah. So, no, and look, you guys know Jeff. Yes, I'm assuming. Yep. Top bloke. Uh, and his sons are great. So, uh, again, you just feel at home. And so, another, uh, another family family business. That's right. And we've got staff there that have been there 30 years, 40 years plus. You know, once you go in there, they never leave. <laughs> so, yeah, I fit right in and I've been there ever since. And um, Perth Flower and Garden Festival is coming up very soon. Um, probably by the time this goes to air, it'll be even sooner. Uh, you guys going to be, have a presence there this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Jeff's a big supporter of the industry and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be there. Uh, we've been there for a couple of years and we'll uh, bring Charlie over and yes. he'll come and have a, have a chat have on a ch- the main have a stage. Wag on the on the clean heat stage. That's right. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> we'll see how, see how that goes. So, um, that the something like the Perth Garden Festival must be great for a, a, a business like Rich Grow to be able to really get some face to face time with the the end consumer of their products. Because I guess you guys probably on a day to day basis speak to the you know your your Bunnings rep or your you know your Waldex rep or your, you know your local garden centre rep more so than the um, than the people who yeah. are taking your packages off the shelves and using very them. true yeah so that's one thing I've never worked in the retail side don't don't do it <laughs> it's not, I've it's always, not good I've always dealt with the nursery owners or the landscapers so they have that knowledge and you can have a chat about the products uh, you hear some interesting questions come back from the retail side of it um, so look I enjoy it people have questions they'll bring their photos and. They want you to identify a plant that their neighbour has that has a purple leaf and they expect you to know. Uh, so you get some great questions there. But also they tell you what they think's missing and what they think's lacking in the industry. And, uh, and you, you chat to them and there's, there's some merit to what they're saying. Well, you're getting a different perspective, aren't Correct. you? Correct. It's, it's quite easy when you work in the industry and you, you, you're doing the same thing day in, day out. You, you tend to get your bit of tunnel vision about why things are and sometimes somebody who's outside the industry you can throw you a bit of a curveball and you go, oh, yeah, didn't think of that. <laughs> That's right, exactly yeah. right. It's so. probably packaging or to make things easy or how come the lid's so hard to get off or why do you need That's to right. have this? Like, I may yeah. have a bottle that I may have never used myself and uh, the customer says, oh, I, don't, I don't like it, it doesn't connect to my hose or something like that. So it's great feedback for us to go back and change that, mm. pick up something new mm. that we haven't seen before. Yeah, that must be the challenge of, of developing a new product, for example, like... Um, so you've got a certain understanding of what you're trying to do and you you sort of see see it in that prism and then you develop it and then you'll, you know, if you've got somebody who's um, coming from outside the industry, you know, like an end user, they might pick up on something that you have no idea about. So the the research and development of new products must be a a challenging and time-consuming and expensive uh, Process very expensive, very expensive, very expensive process. Uh, a lot of people will come to us and they've got a great idea, but realistically for us, we've got to sell X amount to produce that product from day one. So the demand has to be there. Then we start the testing. You know, what ingredients are we going to use, etc. How are we going to make it? And if it's a soil mix, we work closely with UWA now. Uh, Rich Grow, we've got a soil microbiologist there, and we got range of people that will do their trial work and it could take months and months you're paying for all this trial work yeah, your money. and then you're paying for moles and labels and this and that so sometimes you know 
75, 100,000 before it even hits the shelf, yeah. you know. So a lot of time and money goes into a product, so we just can't whip it up like that. Do you, have you had a product that you've got to almost ready to go and then you've gone, you know what, <laughs> this is no good, and you've had to, had to can it? Oh, there's heaps of products that uh, you'll try, they'll get so far and then it gets shelved. Uh, someone else will bring something to market or we think, no, it's not quite ready uh, and get shelved. Yeah. Uh, there's there's heaps of reasons why and there's lots of products in R&D that we may revisit years later and go, actually, no, I think this one could work now. Has there been any that you thought, this is no good, but we've come this far, we're going to sell it anyhow? No, no, no well, it's funny when you look Loaded at... Loaded question, that one. <laughs> yeah. When you look at it from a horticultural perspective to a marketing person, like if my marketing guy sat here, he'd, he'd say, absolutely, go with this product or something like that, and you'd think, no, we need to still change it. We still need to make this better. Because you know um, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, it's not going to sell. That's right. It'll, that's it'll right. run out of steam pretty Yeah, and marketing will bail... Blame sales and sales, yeah. blame marketing and the always, always get, marketing. Yeah, spot, mate. Oh, always blame marketing. And um, Troy, do you sell to the eastern states, Rich Grow? Are you uh, Australia wide? Yeah, so all our fertilizers are made here in WA yep. on our Jandicott site and then mm-hmm. sent over to all the stores in uh, East Coast and New Zealand. Uh, all the organic side, we have contract packers over there because right. you won't transport yeah. organics yeah. over across. Uh, but all fertilisers definitely yep. come through here. And the raw material supply in um, Perth at the moment or WA, I mean, we've talked to other people in the industry and uh, even landscape suppliers and everything's getting a little bit harder to find, that raw material? Absolutely. The main one at the moment is, is pine bark. Okay, I guess the government have changed the rules on uh, uh, the resource material, yep. where it's pulled from. So we're seeing a lot of the mills closing down. Uh, and alternatives have to be found. Firstly, they've got to work and achieve it, and then people have to accept that even though they may like these other products, the future is you can't have it anymore. You've got to move forward. So people have to adapt to that and accept it and move on, uh, unfortunately. But um, so has there just been a drop-off on pine, pine plantations as a whole? or the, the No, just the rule on where they can source it from has been restricted, um, so government's not allowing everyone just to go out and source this and grab it in into the mills. So the mills are shutting down yep. because they can't access it. Is that something to do with uh, the pest issues or just... No, it's... Because uh, I know you, I know there's, um, like, movement of pine as a timber now is, is pretty heavily restricted around because of the, the different bugs that they pine tends to carry, so... Yep. It just seems strange to me if there's pine plantations still, and we're still producing a lot of plantation pine for building industry. Why there can't be pine? The pine bark's a natural byproduct. Yeah, that exactly. But it's also look, they don't want to pull from any of the old growth forest, so, it so has those, to be those mills are closing down. Who yeah. actually produce or or um, process, process, process both the, yeah, the 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 native timber as well as the pine. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it's it's not viable anymore. So. All customers are now thinking, well, what are we going to put in the product? Mm. So we've got to do the trial work to see and produce an equivalent product for them. Mm. So it's getting a bit uh, hairy at the moment. Which so. is going to be a big issue for um, for the for the, uh, the nursery industry especially. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I think they're well aware that everyone's in the same boat. They, they see what the problem is and realise, look, we've got to make changes. Like, you know, 15 years ago, I may have tweaked a certain product and taken sand out for some particular reason. And nurse goes, no, 
you can't do that. Mm. It's always been there. We've got to still have it. Mm. Uh, so we put it back. But with this one, they've got no option. The change is there and it's not going to come back. And so do you find in the industry that you are all talking together? Because the, the issue is not just rich grows, it's uh, no, that's right. everyone else who produces a potting mix. Yeah, so a nursery will call uh, my competitor Bailey's and hear the same story that I tell them. Yeah. So they know that it, it's across the board. It's not just one supplier. This is the agenda they're going down. And is the industry lobbying the, uh, the state government over these sorts of things? I know it's it's pretty hard because there's probably everyone lobbying them from uh, I think it all took forest me. industries right through to the horticultural groups. Yeah, so I believe that did take place, but I think the final decision came it's down made. and the changes have, yeah. have happened. So recently a large mill closed down in the southwest affecting a lot of yeah. the uh, packers here yeah. in Perth. I think that was the Greenbushes Mill. In Bunbury? Oh, Bunbury. Yeah, it was Bunbury? Uh, <coughs> Green, Greenbushes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, so interesting times. It is. I look forward to seeing what our, our potty mix will look like in the, another five or six years. Yeah. Have, you, have you got the crystal ball? No, no. He hasn't had the operation yet, mate. <laughs> if we're using a, a green waste product, um, we've got access to plenty of that. Uh, as long as it achieves what we need over a period of time and does the, does the job correctly, then there's no reason why we can't go to that. Um, it's, it comes down to cost and availability. I think so the beauty with pine bark, it just takes that little bit longer to break down. Yeah. So you have that longevity with your potting Correct. mixes where if you're going to be using, let's say, a, a, a tree green waste, it's going to break down a lot quicker. So obviously your potting mixes aren't yeah. going to be as um, open as they are That's at the right. moment. Yeah. And then you've got fertiliser, the price of fertilisers these days, yep. the import fertiliser has gone through the roof. So you have to look at no other options there as well. So, you know, organic-based fertilisers that we have access to here in Perth um, to reduce the cost. Mm. So that's a major one as well. Mm. So, it's, so there's uh, a lot of changes happening. A lot of changes, and we'll yep. see a lot of changes in the industry. Absolutely. From, uh, well, as we were talking you know, early from the early 70s and 80s right up to now, there's been changes, you know, every every... Ten years as something evolves, but we do move on, and we've been here for a long time. And we're so still hopefully, here, yeah. So hopefully we can exciting, changing yeah. industry. So, Troy, thank you very much for coming and spending some time with us and having having a chat. It's um, been a, an absolute pleasure. And unless Kiz has got anything to no, else, I think else to add, we no, might, uh, about it. might let you go home. Not a problem. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you guys. very much. Cheers. Thanks, Troy. You've been listening to the Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by the Landscape Industries Association WA. Sponsored by Mini Quip Hire.